this is Jessica Stewart, and you're listening to the My Modern Met Top Artist Podcast, where we spend about 30 minutes chatting with some of today's top creatives. Today, we're pleased to have artist Naveed Bharati join us for an enlightening talk about his work and love for astronomy. While Naveed is perhaps best known for his photography, his artistry extends well beyond the camera, as you'll soon discover. Whether he's out chasing a solar eclipse or trying to create a solar system in his own home using a scanner and kitchen items, Naveed is always surprising us. I was curious to find out where his lifelong love of outer space stems from and what he finds inspiring about the great unknown that lives outside our planet. So stay tuned for an enlightening discussion about astrophotography, outer space, and creativity. Thanks for joining us, first of all. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You do a lot of different types of photography, great landscape photography, travel photography. You've done some great series when you lived in New York, uh, looking at skyscrapers in different ways. But I'm really Mm -hmm. intrigued about your love for outer space. So, you know, so many of us are fascinated by outer space and the planets, I guess, when we're when we're little and we're growing up. Is Mm -hmm. is that when it started for you? You know, when did astrophotography, astronomy first catch your eye? It was, yeah, definitely childhood, which I assume is the case for a lot of people, like you said. Um, I've just been so fascinated with space and the cosmos since I was a kid. You know, I would set up a, I would just camp out in the backyard of our rural Ohio house, set up my tent in the backyard and have my telescope there in the nights and just go try to find the bright points of light in the sky and look at them and see what I see. And I was really bad at, you know, as a kid aiming and actually seeing something in a telescope. But but it was fun to try. And, you know, I can vividly remember the first time I saw my the first meteor I ever saw in the sky and I was just you know it just took my breath away as a kid like this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen and then I would just you know wake up in the early morning hours with my mom as a kid to go see the Perseids in the summer during the peak mm-hmm. and it was um you know I've been as a kid I was an avid lover of Star Trek and <laughs> science mm-hmm. fiction and it just kind of it's and it's just gotten stronger this awe and wonder for space it's just gotten stronger through the years for me really I'm just so captivated by the mystery and the unknowns of space and wondering, you know, what our next discovery is going to be and how that's going to transform everyday life for all of us. You know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, if you look at SpaceX and, and NASA and all of these you know, places doing great things and really talking about planning for how are we going to live on Mars? And, you know, we're, it, it's incredible when you think about, it seems like it's something that's so far away, but it's actually probably, you know, not that unrealistic to think that maybe in our lifetime we could see something like that happen. I certainly hope so. I mean, I wish I wish space travel was more of a possibility for humans right now. I wish we were living in those times where we could just travel the galaxy or just to the nearest star, or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's just exciting and endless possibilities with space, you know. It's just so vast and endless and unknown. And that's what draws me. And I think a lot of people to it is that curiosity. I think it's I think it's fundamental to who we are as human beings to be, to have a curiosity for space. Right. Wonder what's out there, where we came from. <laughs> so then where did the photography come into it? Where, When did you start um, your journey with photography and then start using that to also uh, merge it with your passion for outer space? So I went to school for, uh, got my degree in engineering and I was working as an engineer at a desk job out of school for three years. And I just felt so just unfulfilled with what I was doing. And 
I would go and I got my first digital SLR camera way back when, and I would spend my weekends and after work just going and taking photographs. And I just, it was so much, I felt so much passion for that. And I like I fig- had to figure out how I can make this my life because it's what I wanted to do. Mm. You know, I think, we, I think we have to decide what we want to do way too young in life a lot of times. We don't even really know yeah, true. at that point. Um, but I just kind of started shooting as much as I can and started doing a little freelance stuff on the side while I was still working as an engineer. And then I just kind of jumped in headfirst with photography when I moved to New York City and became a freelance photographer. And I think, you know, I always had this love of space and science. And what really got me and started in New York in particular was when Curiosity, the Curiosity rover was launched right. back in, I think it was 2012. Everybody, they were broadcasting that night at Times Square on the big screens, the rover's descent. Mm-hmm. And I assumed, you know, a lot of people were going to show up and watch this. So I wanted to kind of go and photograph people's reactions to what they were seeing on the big screen, like the human emotion involved and why space and exploration is so important, how it excites us and makes us curious as humans. So I went there and photographed this whole series of kind of reactions, crowd reaction shots as they were just looking up at the screen in awe Mm -hmm. and sharing audio on headphones with each other. And those, I kind of made a series out of those photos and they made the rounds online and NASA JPL saw them and Planetary Society saw them and used them to actually help get their funding for planetary science restored wow, that year amazing. Uh, for Congress. So I kind of got involved wow. with them because of that. And then that led to me doing some, going to Cape Canaveral now a couple of times with them to photograph their light sail as it was launched on a couple of different rockets. Um, and it wow. also led me. That must have been very exciting. Yeah, it was, it's, it's been an incredible time and like just so, so cool to go see a rocket launch and feel it in person and photograph it. <laughs> You're standing three miles from the launch, but you feel it in your chest. It's just so powerful. Wow. That's an incredible, incredible experience. And it's amazing that, you know, your photography and your creativity brought you that much closer to being able, being able to experience, you know, in person space travel. I mean, as mm-hmm. close as one as one can get and really merge, I guess, your, your background in science and your love. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, astrophotography in and of itself, I think for a lot of people can seem quite daunting because again, they feel like they have to have all sorts of crazy equipment and it's very difficult. And, you know, what were your first experiences photographing actual astrological or celestial bodies? You know, what what challenges did you find in, in doing that? Yeah, astrophotography definitely, you know, it's, it's challenging for sure. Um, but it can be so rewarding also, you know, you just get this, you feel such a deeper connection to the universe when you're shooting the sky and the night sky. But yeah, when you're first starting out, it's definitely a challenge to get, it's, it's like finding the right balance with your camera settings. If you want to, if you're trying to shoot the Milky Way, you want the stars to be nice and crisp and pinpoint. Um, and you can only leave your exposure open for so long because the earth's turning. And so you'll start getting star trails in the photos and your stars will become blurry. So you have to like, you know, experiment with different, uh, shutter speeds to photograph. And then you want as much light into your camera as possible during that time to get as much detail in the sky. Um, and one way to do that is to increase the sensitivity on your camera. But by doing that, you also generate a lot more noise into your right. photos. So it's like, it's kind of finding that right balance and just trying. It's really a lot of trial and error at first, adjusting shutter speeds, adjusting ISO levels, adjusting your aperture. Um, it's definitely a challenge at first. But once you, you know, once you go out there a few times, you start getting the hang of it and you just become more and more comfortable with it. And then you can just try new techniques, try to photograph you know, deep sky objects. You can try to do star trails, leaving your camera open for longer periods of time to capture the beautiful motion of the, the earth. 
When I think of your astrophotography, I think in particular of the image you took of the total solar eclipse uh, a few years ago, which obviously was a huge event around around the world. And I think when you talk about people, their awe and wonder of outer space, I think every time one of these big events comes around, it really reignites this passion for for outer space that we've sort of for, sort of forgotten. So, for me, that was one of your mm-hmm. you know one of the most memorable photos for me that I know was sort of it's a process because it's not so easy just to photograph a, a solar eclipse. Talk, talk us through a little bit about how that shoot went and what went into making that image. Yeah, that was, that was probably, I mean, in the top three most incredible things I've ever seen in my life, if not the most incredible, just witnessing a total eclipse for those two minutes, just, you know, you can stare right at the sun and just see the tendrils of the sun moving and this giant black eye looking at you. It's just, it's such a surreal experience. So um, I drove to Oregon from Seattle that year and camped overnight um, in the high desert so that I would be in the line of totality the next morning. It was, yeah, it was definitely uh, nerve wracking because I wanted to also enjoy the experience, but you only have two minutes of totality where you have to get the shot. Right. (laughs) And so it's a lot of like setting up your camera as much as you can in your head, um, pre-planning ahead of time, knowing what you're going to be doing in the moment. But it's like for that you had to, I did, um, I used my 600 millimeter lens again that I used out my window for Jupiter and Saturn here. Um, set it up on the tripod and did um, a series of bracketed exposures for that. It was like I combined, I think, about 12 exposures for that image. Mm-hmm. So all the way from a shutter speed of like one two thousandth of a second all the way to up to a half a second because I wanted to show the details as much as I could in the corona of the sun. Um, so when the eclipse was happening, I just, you know, I had my camera ready to go, held the shutter uh, down with a cable release and just kind of let it do its thing, bracketing for those two minutes. And I just tried to enjoy it as much as possible while my camera was firing away. But it was incredible. Like, I mean, it was weird that morning. It was about in the 90s in the desert. But when the eclipse happened, you know, the light was so weird and so eerie. And the temperature probably dropped about 15 degrees, Mm -hmm. I would say, 20 degrees, which felt it feels cold in the desert when you're used to that heat and people were putting jackets on. It got so cold. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a such a crazy experience. Cool. So for you, what's the next big, you know, astrological event that is on your radar that you would love to photograph next? Well, I'm definitely planning on the eclipse in North America again in 2024, but that's still many years away. Hmm. Um, But I hope to actually, once you see one total eclipse, you're kind of hooked. I feel like it's, (laughs) I kind of want to chase them around the world now. I know there's one coming up in Chile, Mm -hmm. I think next year, and then Antarctica the following year. I mean, I would I would just be blown away. Well, your love for the solar system goes beyond photography. We've talked about your photos quite a bit, but there are two specific projects that I also want to touch on that speak to outer space and the planets that actually are a bit different. Um, The first one is Wander, which you did a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago. And this was a very cool series that saw you recreating sort of real and fictional celestial bodies using everyday kitchen items. So... For instance, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at a picture of something that is sort of like an Earth-like planet that's actually made uh, using the bottom of a glass containing bourbon, coconut milk, water, soy sauce, and food coloring. And then the stars stars, uh, around it using salt, flour, cinnamon, and curry powder. So (laughs) they look incredible. But my first question is, how in the world did you come up with this idea? You were just in your... You know, did you play with your food as a child? Were you in the kitchen just one day, <laughs> throwing around some spices? You know, how did this happen? 
Well, yes, I did. But um, <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, I had seen other artists where they um, put objects on scan. Uh, so I've I do this all on a photo scanner and just sprinkle all these ingredients on top of the scanner. And I'd, I saw other artists where they scan objects on scanners, like three-dimensional objects where they leave the lid open and it creates this highly detailed uh, photograph of the object they're scanning. But when you leave the lid open, it also makes the entire background black. So it really amazed the objects pop. And I was, you know, I just thought to myself one day, well, you know, if you leave the lid open, you get the black backdrop of space. So what would happen if I just started sprinkling spices on the scanner and scan that? Like how realistic would it actually look? Would it look like stars with these? Because, you know, stars are, they come in all different colors and sizes and I was like, well, you know, spices would be great for that to get the, mm -hmm. the textures and the colors and variations of that. So I just started, I think my very first one was a really basic one of a star cluster together. So I just used a whole bunch of salt and flour and sprinkled it around and concentrated it in a circle in the middle to make it really dense, like a cluster of stars would be. And I scanned it and I was just kind of blown away when I saw the photo of how real it looked. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> um, and then like from there, it turned into experimenting with more and more ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, so I branched out from not only spices, but I started using oils to kind of smear it a little bit to make it more realistic looking. And then I started using more objects like pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> One of my scans, I fried up a couple pancakes and made them spherical, uh, not spherical, but circular mm -hmm. and put those on the scanner and then sprinkled spices around the pancakes. And the pancakes actually looked quite realistic with the different textures from the frying pan. It looked like a planet yeah. in the middle of the stars. Um, and then come from the, from there, I just kind of, well, you know, how can I do this with liquids? Because it's, um, so I started uh, using glasses and filling them with liquids and scanning the bottom of the glasses, or beakers. Um, it's a challenge though, to find glasses that don't have any like words or textures mm. on the bottom or something. It's just open, clear glass. Yeah, actually, that's what I was wondering because they're very perfectly circular. I mean, you wouldn't think that you were looking at the bottom of a glass. Yeah, so the only editing that I have done mostly in those photos is the um, around the edges of the glasses because you do have to add a little bit of shadow to the outside of them to make them look realistic or else it kind of, you don't, you don't get mm -hmm. that shading that you would normally see in a planet. But yeah, the first time I tried it, you know, it was it's it's kind of like a science experiment. You're trying different liquids. Um, I found that water and coffee cream works well. I got that idea like one day making coffee in the swirls when you're stirring your coffee with the coffee cream. I'm like, oh man, that looks like an atmosphere of a planet. Let me try that. Mm -hmm. And like different temperature of water makes a difference too, how fast things dissolve in the glasses. And then from there, I kind of even moved on to trying to create nebulas and using like large, mm -hmm. clear plastic trays filled with liquids on a scanner. <laughs> and kind of the same thing like it's kind of the same base ingredients water food coloring and coffee cream just to create that swirl and then you sort of add in different liquids of different colors to create different textures and motions and which you know when you think about it it is kind of like the same physics at work on my scanner as it is in the universe in an atmosphere of a planet it's mm. the way like liquid liquids interact with each other at different temperatures so it's kind of crazy to think about it's kind of a little microcosm <laughs> yeah i mean it's incredible of course, yeah, when you think about it, different densities of liquids and like you said, temperatures create different flows and ebbs and shapes of movement. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those had a really great, you had a great reaction from those. Were you surprised about how well the series was received? I mean, from playing in your kitchen to sort of going all over the place? Yeah, I was I was really surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised. And um, I was more surprised, I guess, at how many people thought they were actually real. 
people didn't realize <laughs> that they were scans until I actually told them um, that they were scans. They thought I was like part of this, I don't know, agency helping process, <laughs> helping helping to process photos of outer space objects. Um, but I was like, no, I'm actually just creating these on my scanner. Um, but yeah, it was it's kind of crazy. It kind of, um, you know, I, I put this on Reddit and from there it kind of just snowballed into other uh, outlets wanting to feature it. And I had like two different companies come out and kind of do a little documentary on my process involved. And wow. I got to do a, um, a few lectures here in Seattle at a museum, a couple of museums. And I held a workshop for kids and like how to do it themselves. And like, as you can imagine, it's like a huge kit, a huge, sorry, a huge hit with yeah. children and like experimenting and making a mess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's great. It goes to show that sometimes, you know, these sort of personal projects or just fun things that you decide to get creative with on your own, and you're not necessarily thinking about them in the sense that you would maybe a, a commercial photo shoot that you're doing can actually have a really big impact on on your career and open up a ton of different opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was really blown away by the response and it's really um it's really inspiring as an artist when people just have such a connection with your work too, you know, it just motivates you and inspires you to even want to be better and create new exciting things and keep pushing yourself. And then last year you did another solar system based project that I personally love um, because this time you said about cross stitching all the different planets. Now I'm big into cross stitch and have made my own patterns and things like that. So I really loved this project. And I know that it's not easy uh, to do something so detailed. So why why cross stitch to begin with? You know, it's I started this also when I lived in New York, probably back in twenty, let's say twenty fourteen or fifteen is my first time I started cross trying cross stitch. And I think it was just a I always liked the way that cross stitch looked, like the kind of eight bit almost feel to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very pixels. Yeah, very pixely. And I thought it, I've always really liked how they look. And I thought, you know, I just kind of wanted to break from looking at a screen and like so much photo editing all the time, uh, pouring through photos. I'm like, what's a nice little side thing I could do? And so I, that was one of the things I started was my Wander project there. And also I just started, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I just kind of wanted something I could just do in, leisurely in the meantime. So I just kind of started started with a really simple pattern, five color pattern of a cross stitch and got the hang of it. It's like one of those things you can pick up really fast. Once you try a pattern, you kind of right. get the feel. And so then I, yeah. then I also, you know, I wanted to incorporate my love for space somehow with it. So I thought, you know, planets and moons would be a really great project because there's so many different options and colors and textures that could be really fun. So I was like, and I wanted to base them off of actual images, like NASA images. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, you know, if I did Maybe if I do like a lot of different colors, like 30 to 35 colors, I wonder how realistic they could look, even though it's cross-stitched. Like, would I be able to see the details of Jupiter's bands or the rings of Saturn? And so I just started with Jupiter. I think I used, um, I think that was 20 or 25 colors, but it looked like when I finished it, I thought it was, it looked amazing. Just, you could really see the details, but people also, you know, you know, it's a cross-stitch when you look at it, but it also looks so realistic, especially when you look at it from a distance. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. But those are particularly challenging, these planets, because you're doing them on black and um, stitching on black canvas is really kind of drains your eyes a bit, <laughs> trying to see the holes. Yeah, well, it's very ambitious. You know, 25, 35 colors, it's no joke. You've got to be constantly switching back and forth. So kudos to you uh, on that. How did you, what did you go about using in order to create the pattern once you had the photo? Yeah, so I used a um, pattern maker online that I plugged the photo into. And then that kind of gave me a starting point for the pattern. 
And I wasn't ever like happy with exactly how it made the pattern or how it translated it. So I would actually just open up the PDF it made in Photoshop and kind of edit the patterns and the uh, symbols myself to the colors that I thought were more realistic. Um, so that was kind of a fun also <laughs> side project of creating patterns out of these images. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I started, I think my first ever one I was going to, my plan was to make Jupiter pretty large because I really wanted to see the bands of Jupiter like big. But then when I started, <laughs> oh my God, this is going to take yeah. years. Like, you realized how long it's going to take <laughs> to make a big cross stitch. There's a reason why they're small. Yeah. So, I, you know, all my planets that I've made have been about four inches in diameter. I thought that was a nice size that was doable in like a month or two months of really leisurely going at it. Now I've kind of, um, I've done nine planets and have, I'm starting on some moons of Jupiter now. I'm going to try some moons. moons. Great. And I'm planning to make those a little bit smaller because I don't know, I just feel like the moon should be a little bit smaller than the planets, but not too small that you lose the detail too. That's great. And you can actually, people can actually find these patterns, correct? On, yeah. You have on them on Etsy. Etsy which is mm -hmm. Great. So see, yep. if some, some cross-stitching enthusiasts out there go to his Etsy. We'll put the link in the description and you can cross-stitch your own planets as well. I mean, they are very detailed and beautiful. And that is a nice thing about cross stitch is that, as you said, up close, they have that pixelated look, but as you move back, they look more and more realistic and you can real, I mean, the benefit of using so many colors that you really do see the details and the textures in the planets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And most of them, they most all use between, I'd say 20 to 35 colors. 20 is the least amount I think that I did. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was really fun. And some planets were definitely harder than others. Like Earth was, Earth took a while, I guess. I don't know if it was mm. all the clouds or the, the green from the, you know, the land or, um, but some are really, and Saturn was actually kind of difficult too. It took a while with all the rings. Um, and I kind of had to, you know, do that one a little larger to get all the rings in and on the angle too. But yeah, it's, it's a fun little, just a fun little project, side project that I like to keep artistically creative with. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, how do you think these sort of these different creative projects that you do using different skills, do you feel like they help or enhance your work in photography? And if so, how so? I think so. I mean, I, I think it just helps me to stay creative overall and artistic. And I think I've always just I kind of like experimenting with different mediums, too. I don't consider myself really just a photographer. I kind of like even in my photography, I, as you said, I shoot such a wide range of material and subjects. And I kind of like that challenge of forcing myself to learn new techniques of shooting um, instead of just focusing on one thing and only one thing. I kind of really like pushing myself. And I think doing art in different mediums just helps that creativity, helps me fuel that creativity and just helps, I don't know, it makes me more passionate about art and um, being an artist and more fulfilled, I guess, than as I felt as an engineer. So. <laughs> That's good. It means you made the right the right choice, no? I think so. Yeah, it's definitely stressful, you know, relying on freelance, especially this day and age, but I sure. I don't regret it one bit like at all. I've I've been so much happier and more passionate about my life and can't imagine doing anything else now. Well, we'll keep on the lookout for your for your new work, whether it's your photographs or any of your other creative projects. We, people can find your work by going to navidbarati.com. They can also find you on Instagram at Navid Bharati and Facebook at Navid Bharati Photography. Yep. And we'll put all those links in so everyone can see exactly what we're talking about. They can see your 
your photos, your cross stitch, your planetary food compositions and all of that. And just want to say thank you for coming and chatting with us. And hopefully we'll get to come back and speak again with us soon about some of your other work. That would be awesome. And thanks again so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the My Modern Met Top Artist Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Naveed Barati, and we'll see you again in two Wednesdays for another interview with one of today's top creatives. If you're curious about Naveed's work, check out the description for links to his website, social media, and Etsy shop. You can also see some of the artwork we discussed over on Instagram at Top Artist Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, please make sure you do so, and that way you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd leave a review. We'll be back in two weeks, and in the meantime, get your daily dose of art and creativity on MyModernMet.com.